The Retro Lounge is a look back into the archives of the Recruiters Lounge podcast with Jim Stroud and Karen Matinen. The Recruiters Lounge podcast posted weekly between the years of 2005 and 2010. With energy, wit, and opposite points of view, <laughs> Jim Stroud and Karen Madden discussed, debated, and squabbled like children over HR issues that affected the workplace and society overall for the benefit of all who would listen. This episode of the Recruiter's Lounge podcast originally aired on, what's the date? November 9th, 2006. This was the original description. Recruiters and the election. Jim Stroud and Karen Matten discussed the election. Lying on a resume may get you 10 years in prison, plus feedback on some listener feedback. Uh, uh, and this is interesting to note, which was not in the original description, but in this particular podcast, we talked about the controversy around, guess what? Hacking voter machines. Yes. <laughs> the more things change, the more they stay the same. Listen up to what was said way back on November 9th, 2006, after these messages from my sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Superpass, the go-to software for out-the-box content websites and mobile apps. With the Superpass platform, you can create your own branded website and native mobile apps to host your digital content, subscribers, and more. Do you have quality content that you want to share with the world in a beautiful and intuitive site? If so, then Superpass can provide the tech solution for you. Hold all your digital content in one place, your brand, your way. Check out superpass.app. That's S-U-P-A-P-A-S-S dot app. Recruitment marketing, as compared to maybe employer branding, is all about getting your message and your story in front of the right audience. It's a lot to manage. And what Practic Talent does for our clients is we help centralize. So you have one partner, one vendor to help you manage all those relationships. And not only that, we help you track the effectiveness of every media dollar you spend on hiring so that you know in real time that you're getting the greatest ROI for your marketing investment to attract great talent into your company. We help our clients with recruitment marketing in a couple ways. One is in recruitment marketing strategy. And with that, we really take the time to help you build the right strategy. And then we get mutual approval on that strategy before you spend a single dime. The other way we do this is through our agency of record service. This is a partnership with you where we're able to reach out to publishers on your behalf to negotiate better pricing, to execute on media campaigns, uh, and really act as an extension of your team. Some of the benefits that our clients have seen working with Practic Talents Recruitment Marketing Services is an overall reduction of 30% cost per applicant. That's really significant. It's showing that we're able to leverage great technology, programmatic, and we're also flexible and scalable. We're platform agnostic. We're always gonna use whatever the greatest and latest technology is, whatever the best platforms are to help create efficiencies in your media purchasing so that you're always on the cutting edge. For more information on Proactive Talent, visit them online at proactivetalent.com or click the link in the podcast description. Radio, radio, radio talent. Innovative audio on demand. Hi, I'm Jim Stroud. Welcome to the Recruiter's Lounge. The Recruiter's Lounge is a podcast of news, interviews, and commentary on the recruiting industry. And it was designed with you in mind. 
So sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the Recruiter's Lounge. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by Work Giant. Check them out online at www.workgiantexpress.com. That's www.workgiantexpress.com. Right now, millions of people are looking for a job on the internet. Did you know that this industry is a multi-billion dollar market? Did you know that employers pay huge upfront fees to advertise a job? No more. WorkGiant is a new company with a new way of doing business, bringing job seekers and employers together like never before. Find out how you can get your share of millions of dollars worth of commissions. Register now for the opportunity of a lifetime. WorkGiant, bringing the power back to the people. You're in the Recruiters Lounge with your host, Jim Stroud, and as promised, back in the lounge with me is the lovely, the talented, the wise, the passionate, Karen Madden. How are you, Karen? Hi, Jim. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Actually, I'm a little excited a little bit. I'm glad to be back. I missed you. <laughs> I really, really missed you. I, I came across this new uh, website online the other day, last year over the weekend, called Phone Pods, and, and I hope that... Um, People who visit my visit my blog at um, jimstroud.com slash blog will um, go there and, and see a link um, to phone pods. Actually, the if you go to the blog post that this podcast is on, you'll see a link to it. And what phone pods does, which I'm very excited about, is that once you join their free service, then you can dial it into a number and hear this podcast on your cell phone. Hey, that's too cool. Yeah, so if you have a computer or if you don't or if you're maybe stuck in traffic or you're just walking around bored out of your mind or you want to just share the love, which is Recruiter's Lounge, <laughs> with your coworkers or other recruiters in your life, feel free to refer them over to my blog post, which has instructions on how to use PhonePod so that you can listen to this not only on your computer but on your cell phone as well. Isn't technology grand? I think it's awesome. I think it's an awesome I'm place. a part of it. Yes, we are. Yes, Isn't we are. Isn't that amazing? We are amazing people. Yes, we are. <laughs> and don't you forget it, all right? Listen to yeah. I put out, um, I ask people all the time on this podcast, and it's, and it's also in my post, that if you have any feedback, if you have any questions, anything you want to say to me or to Karen or leave a message for the Recruiters Lounge, or even if you just want to vent, you know, there is a link on uh, this blog post that says click here and leave an audio message. And someone actually uh, left an audio message, and um, they wanted to vent a little bit. And I think it was a good thing because it brings up sort of um, a topic I want to discuss with you. But before I get into that, let me just sort of play just a snippet of, uh, of the um, voicemail that was left. Okay? And here we go. I am calling to um, inform recruiters of a situation I just encountered with a, uh, on a project with a potential uh, company. I was um, hired to do a two-week assignment uh, sourcing candidates and actually conducting phone screens. A phone call from my family informing me that a cousin of mine uh, died. Aside from that, the very same week, the following week um, that the funeral would have taken place, my daughter, my only child and her daughter, uh, was due into town from Germany. They were coming to visit, and I had not seen her for eight months. Um, the employer was not at all 
favorable to this decision and in actuality made me choose between my family and my job. And I elected to, to be with my family because I didn't. I feel as though I wouldn't have had a second chance to say goodbye to my loved one. And I hope that you, just like me, choose family first because employers oftentimes think of themselves and Sometimes we just don't care. We just don't matter to them. And I hope this information helps you guys as um, it helps me to vent about it. Take care. Goodbye. Okay. So, Karen, you heard, I know you've heard the whole thing, mm-hmm. but I was only just playing a couple of clips here uh, for the interest of time. And um sounds like someone really did one of our fellow recruiters wrong in terms of getting them to choose between their job and their family and and if I could read between the lines of, of what this person was talking about they um they need their their job I guess a lot of you know who doesn't need their job unless you're you know you're rich or something but um she was in a situation where she felt she had to choose between her obligation at work or saying goodbye to some of her love a loved one at the funeral and uh I believe seeing um seeing her daughter who she hadn't seen in months. What, what what do you think we should, and this, I guess, is sort of an ethics question since you're the queen of ethics. Where does one draw the line between doing what's best for your company and doing what's best for you in terms of your family? I mean, when does, you know, you got work on one side and you got family, and, you know, you need work to support the family, but then again, people say family first, you know, but then again, you still have to go to work. Well, I guess in a way it's going to have to come down to, um, that's a hard one, okay? That's a real tough one, okay? Yeah, because I, 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 I mean, first off, you gotta know your boss, okay? Right. <laughs> Read your boss. I mean, okay, you choose to work. Remember, you choose to work at an X Y Z place. Right. And if your boss is a total controlling freak that says this is how it is and this is that's the way it's gonna be, and you decide, well, I want to choose my family first then that's got to be a personal priority. I mean, there are some people who, and I'm going to sidetrack a little bit, but it's going to go the same path, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what I feel is going to have to come down is to a personal ethic in regard to how do you feel. Right. Some people want to put business first. Some people go ahead and say, work is all, it is important to me. Um, the cat in the cradle, okay? Yeah, I know that song. Cat okay, in exactly. the cradle and the silver song. There you go. Well, those people will say, hey. Wait, I, I apologize everyone who had to hear me even hum that little bit. You've got a great voice, honey. Oh, <laughs> no, no. Okay, well, a person like that mm. will look at this uh, situation or scenario and say, hey, you know, business must come first, but, you know, i got to take care of the family. That's it. Now, mm. there's the other individual who says, look, there's also my family. I want to see them grow up. I want to have them in my life. I want them to remember mommy always being there or daddy always being there. Mm-hmm. And if it's not affecting your work and you're doing production and your boss is being and you're being honest and saying, hey, boss, this is what I'm doing, then I find that very highly respectable. Like, I'm going to use you as an example. Okay. You have a beautiful daughter. Beautiful daughter. And I get a kick I really chuckle all the time, people. When I have these conversations with Jim, and you know he'd be talking to his daughter, and you could hear the amount of love he has towards her. Well, what's even cool is recently he called me, and he was on his way to go to a field trip with his daughter, hmm. and I thought that was so cool because he takes time 
trying to make sure that he's involved with her life. But at the same time, he's still discussing work, and he's going to be on. He knows he's going to come back home, and he's going to work to the wee hours to catch up with what he needed to get done. And part of that speaks to me having a uh, wonderful employer uh, who allows me the the uh, flexibility to do that kind of thing. Well, I'll tell you right now, Jim. I will guarantee that if you were not productive, your wonderful employer wouldn't do that. <laughs> I believe a wonderful employer would not. Exactly. There's got to be a give and take. If your employer is seeing you being productive and you're not just taking a lot of valuable free time from them, I mean valuable time from them, work production time from them, but you're taking the time to make sure that you get to meet all your requirements and obligations, your family and your work, they're not going to be who they're going to say. Okay, we're not going to go ahead and hate Jim. We're not going to let him go. No way, we can't do it. They're going to say, yeah, look, he's managed to be able to juggle both things and do it well and effectively. I guess it's sort of a give and take kind of a deal. Exactly. Now, in a situation though, if you you choose where you work, and if you got an ogre for a boss, and your boss doesn't want you to do that, you know, he wants you to be there 24/7. Well, then you know he's paying your bills. Then, then you just find a new boss. Then you got to do what your boss says. But you also have the choice not to work for that boy. That's boss. true. And that's where recruiters come in. We help you find a place to be maybe like to go work where Jim's working. So <laughs> that, no, I'm not spilling for their company, okay, but I'm just giving it an example that, you know, not plugging recruiters. Well, you know, in a sense, though, you you got to sort of um, appreciate Bosses who cannot manage well and who are unruly and who do give unreasonable demands because it's job security for recruiters. Well, yeah. Then <laughs> I also hear a lot of people going, "How, oh, my boss doesn't know me and my boss this and I got I get to do whatever I want." And that type of attitude, though, does not also behoove you hmm. because your boss can also see if you're a rotten apple that's going to spoil the whole bunch too, and they're not going to be very nice to you. That's true. That's I mean, true. And what if a manager gives you a bad evaluation on your on your uh, annual report or something? That could haunt you for your tenure at the company. Oh. Much less anywhere else you want to work. Oh, tell me about it. I mean, I've had places where a boss didn't like me, which is not where I usually get along well with my boss. What's not to like? Oh, What's well, not I've to always like? gone along well with bosses. It was always the peers I could have a problem with. Okay, no, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> no, actually, um, I've had situations where a personal – I had a – I was working at a call center, mm. and the direct boss didn't like me. Mm. And no matter what I did, I felt like I was never going to win. So I basically started asking my clients to start get sending in, literally. And they said, oh, you did a great job. I said, would you be willing to send in a written on that? I started getting a lot of written to say, look, this woman's not, she's, she's smoking. She's smoking something. The good stuff. Yeah, she had to be because, look, this is this is proof that I really am doing what I'm doing, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, they can A bad boss can really hurt you, and it can haunt you, but yeah. it has to be known. Now, we want to talk about reference checks then? Eh, why not? For, for a quick second, then we'll go okay, to the next Okay, wait a quick second then. I mean, for example, if you know you've got someone who's going to be a real pain in your butt and haunt yeah. you for the rest of your life, have a friend, have someone that you love and trust, Start doing reference checks and having them call up these people. Just oh, and pretending, and pretending to be a company? Absolutely. And say, I'm checking up on this, and just so you know what they're saying about you? I always tell my candidates to do that. Hmm. I 
always tell them. I said before, you're going to get some reference checks done on my client, and I want to make sure that everything's going to be clear. Are you sure these people are going to be solid behind you? Well, let me throw this out real quick before we go to the next topic. If anyone is out there looking for a very good contract recruiter who uh, has a pretty wide, varied experience, because I know this particular person who called in, uh, I'll be more than happy to refer uh, a resume over. Okay. So if you're looking for a contract recruiter, anybody out there, let me know, and I will pass their information on. Uh, next topic, which is, I guess, I'm going to try to find a way to bring this back to recruiting, but did you vote today? Because this, this is a, a, an election Tuesday. Do you do your civic duty as an I American citizen? I became a citizen just so I could vote today. Oh, look at you. I'm look serious. at you. I Wave that flag. Legal. Wave okay. that flag. I need to emphasize this. I was a legal mm-hmm. permanent resident, okay, not illegal. Because there's I, no fun being an illegal alien. Oh, I would have known. <laughs> but I had been a legal permanent resident for 20 years, mm-hmm. and I just kind of procrastinated every single year about getting my citizenship. Yeah. And because of how the gloom and doom seems to be, mm-hmm. my choice, I chose to vote this year. Okay? Um, so let's not make it political. But okay. there is an issue that we were talking about earlier that um oh yeah the paranoia the paranoia you came out oh well it wasn't paranoia because it was proven jim well yeah but they proved it they all right tell, tell, let, them, let them know what we're talking about let okay them know what about. they're in ohio and succinctly gonna, though pardon me succinctly succinctly in ohio last uh election um these individuals Everybody down there had votes. It was in a particular city. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I want to say Kayamaka, but that's not the name of the city. So please forgive me for sabotaging the name of your city. Okay. Well, and what happened was a particular elect. He got negative. I think it was like seventeen hundred or seventeen thousand votes. Negative seventeen hundred votes. Negative. Okay. How do well, you get negative seventeen hundred? They were votes? using the. Those um, wonderful new uh, voting machines. Oh, the Diebold voting machines? I didn't want to use the word Diebold. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. But, yes, they were using Diebold's machines. Okay. I'm guessing. Okay. That's, That's exactly Just, just to be sure, I'm guessing. Don't send me any letters or calls yeah. or anything. Yes, I'm guessing yes, it's a yes, Diebold yes. machine. Well, anyway, so they were using these machines. Well, right. HBO has a really great segment. It's on TV now, and I just saw it on Sunday, and I'd heard about this, okay? Mm. But they actually had the full videotaping of what went down. I mean, these guys videotaped everything, so they wanted to make sure that they documented this very well. Well, there was this group of people who were saying, hey, you know, what's going on here? Something's rigged. Something's not smelling good in Denmark right now, okay? It's pretty fishy. And so these guys, boy, they were persecuted. Oh, my goodness, were these guys persecuted. They were saying, oh, these guys were anarchists, and, of course, they were just coming up with paranoia. Oh, this was, that's a mistake. There was nobody doing any rigging, okay? Right. There's no way these, these dipole machines can be rigged. There's no way that anybody can invade into them and over crack into the system. Again, assuming that we're talking about dipole. Well, they were. Okay. You can go, I mean, this is on HBO, so you can see this for yourself. I think it's called Democracy, Voting Democracy Gone Bad, okay? okay. And, or Democracy and Voting Gone Bad, something along those lines. It, as I said, it was on Sunday, mm. and they should have it again. Now, what was really quite interesting in this was that they started champion to say, look, we believe these things are defective. So they had these technical engineers actually be going and ha- they were able to hack into systems to die votes and change votes. So the, the whole documentary is about these um, voting machines that could be hacked, and they proved that they were hacked. They were, so then they said, well, Diebold says, well, that's just a situation. And by the way, you could not see that they were hacked into. 
So if you if a person hacked into the machine, you wouldn't know about it until no after the fact. Yeah, there was no trace of anybody had cracked into it. But what was the most important part was the cards. You know those little cards they give you that you slide into the machine, you pull out. Right. Right. Well, those little cards, those access cards, those are the ones that had the problem. They, these were these guys said, look, those access cards can be changed. They can be rigged. So um, Ohio was saying, no way. Dieball was saying, no way. So the scientist, the technical scientist said, look, we can prove it. So they went to Ohio, and they did a controlled test. They had the administrators from the, the voting association, and they had like eight people in there. Mm. And six of them voted yes. Two voted no. So they proved they were able to prove that it, that it was they hackable. They even knew who had voted yes. They even knew they had controlled it. They they, they, now this is where it got interesting. Hmm. Everybody did their vote, right? Right. The, the you know the little piece of paper, that little piece of paper came out looking like everything was right. They had the six who voted yes and the two voted no, but on the machine itself, it showed the opposite. Two voted no. I mean, two voted yes and six voted no. Now, see, I see. I, when it comes to voting, and I'm going to relate this to recruiting in just a second, but when it comes to election uh, results and voting, with all the technology we have available, I think it's really an easier way to, to to do things than the way they're doing it now. And this is how I would suggest doing it. I mean, if someone can figure out how to rig this up and make it happen, more power to you. I just want to see it happen. Uh, just give me a little uh, royalty kickback, if you would. <laughs> Now, you look at someone like American Idol, who takes, you know, when they're, when they're on the air, they take millions of calls, you know, every day or, you know, several million a week. And they get, and their system handles it. So uh, why don't we have a system where people just dial in uh, and then press one for candidate Joe and press two for candidate Sue and then um, have it where that you can only make one vote from one particular phone that you have to register in advance. So if you, Karen, are going to vote on this date, this is the phone number that you registered that you're going to vote with. So you can't have like 20 phones going around half the house calling around. So if you're one cell phone that you registered, you make that vote, it, it gets through, it's all, and your receipt is on your phone bill. So when you get your phone bill, you can say, hey, that's not who I voted for, and you can test it if there's a problem. I mean, easy. I mean, well, what, what's... what's there's the issue again. I mean, I mean, I don't want to get too much into it. I, 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 I look at it. that and say it's a good idea, but the only thing that I do see with that is that right. you know when you t when you look at that piece of paper, the vote came out looking like this is what I voted for. Everything came out white. It's just that the diaper machine itself said read it read it all wrong. See, well, I guess what they had done is the guy somebody had rigged it that for one senator for every two votes he he want that he got, the other guy got negative one. Well, let me sort of. Let me sort of let me sort of reel this back into recruiting some okay, kind of way because okay. it's supposed to be a recruiting show somewhere. Okay, I think. let's go back. <laughs> we lost it somewhere in the okay, conversation. Okay, go back, baby. All right, I got a, okay. How about this? This this related to to voting. Now imagine that you put a job out there, and you get all these resumes. Uh huh. And after you review so many resumes, you you get your your pile of your of your B list or your A list of resumes you want to go through. All right. Then you submit it over to. Um, I don't know, the hiring manager or some people who then in turn passes it on to some people in his team to get their opinion. And then people say, okay, I want this person, that person, rather. Why don't we hook all that up to some sort of um, some sort of voting operation, sort of like DIG or maybe like how Recruiting.com is, is set up right now. 
whereas a recruiter does a search for so many resumes inside their ATS system. They pull out their top, I don't know, 20, 10 or 20 resumes that they like. Then they submit these 10 resumes to a system, um, and then they open up the system to uh, the group that he's hiring into. And they say, okay, judging based on the work skills of these people, uh, vote on the ones you want to bring in for an interview or the ones you think that would be good to be interviewed. So everyone in the group, you know, they hit a button and they say, this person gets a vote and this person gets a vote. And then by the time the voting is over, the top three resumes that have been voted on by the people who work in the department are the ones that are brought in for an interview. I think that's amazing. The only problem is just so dang easy that nobody will use it. <laughs> I mean, it's just so perfect, you know. Like, yeah, they, I mean, well, oh my god, because I think cause I think there's in ways, and again, tying you know the voting into recruiting and making this keeping this a recruiting show. I think um, I think that really happens. That happens anyway, just not as uh, electro electronically. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not it's not done through electronics, you know, it's done just through papers and getting opinions. But if you had a way of just getting all those resumes together and, and then people just vote on it and then go from there, I think that would save a lot of time. I think it's an amazing situation and I think it would save a lot of time and I think you're absolutely right. I mean but only problem is is that, you know, the companies unfortunately they just like making things difficult. Uh, this is true. No, I, I mean, it's like, I'm serious. I mean, companies like, uh, you know, they like to make it their way, and it's got to be their way because that means that they can have more control of stuff. I don't know if it's management thing that they have to feel like they have to be in control, if that's what's the deal, hmm. but it really is kind of bizarre that it always seems to be their deal. You know what I mean? Yeah, they yeah. have to. If they didn't come up with the idea, maybe, though, if you can make your boss think, it was his idea. <laughs> That's why I work for myself, dude. So you know what? If someone is looking, listening, listening to this idea and they think, ah, maybe it'll work, maybe not, I don't I know. I think it would be a great idea because it would save time. And here you've got a whole bunch of people who are involved in the process by looking at it. And it's like, okay, we can choose these people immediately. Let's just go with those four right away. I think that's a fantastic idea. And I think some of the components they need to consider are they need to look at sites like uh, dig, D-I-G-G dot com, and recruiting dot com because they both um, have a, a voting uh, functionality in their website where people uh, look at, read news stories, and then vote on it, and the ones that get the most votes go higher up on the page. Uh, I have another thing that would work, what would, why that, how that would work. How else? Why it would work. What? You know how sometimes people kind of like poo-poo, well, I didn't see that resume or I didn't choose that resume or I had no idea of that resume, mm -hmm. so I'm not going to like it automatically. Mm -hmm. I think that if everybody had a choice in it and know that this person voted yes and this person voted yes and some people automatically vote yes because this guy voted yes, you'll find that there's going to be easier with people going through the interviewing process because they had a choice. It was ownership. Yeah, Okay. And if this person gets hired and, and really bombs, <laughs> then they can also look at, okay, well, who said this person should come in? Yeah, exactly. Everybody not, everybody got involved in the process, so you can't really point fingers at any one person either. Hmm. Takes a lot of liability off, but it's also good in the ownership aspect. Well, I would say do that in terms of getting past a certain hurdle. I think once you get past um, selecting by group 
how many resumes get turned in for an interview. After that, I think the group portion should go away, and then it should just get, get down to the hiring manager and the recruiter. Otherwise, if you have so many people voting at every aspect of the process, nobody would get through. And from past experience, I can tell you that, that it, it, it would not be good. Be people in the department, hmm. the people who are either doing the job or managing that job, and the person maybe underneath who we be, this person is going to be reporting to. So that way also it's like, when I know that my boss is really qualified because I've seen their resume, it's going to make me feel good, and I won't second-guess second their, you know, what they say. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot to be said in what you just said. Maybe you should patent that idea. It's a good idea. Maybe so. And you know what else? I also would add in some functionality from this site called Market 10. Have you heard of Market 10? Uh-uh. Well, yeah, I, I, I've interviewed them once before in an earlier podcast, and they have a really neat, uh, a really neat system Whereas when people apply for positions through their system or just put their resume out there per se, mm-hmm. they do it anonymously. I mean, they can get themselves, they can call themselves super cool dude, you know, whatever. And the person, the recruiter, would see their um, their background and read all about them, but they would not know who they were or what company they presently were at unless that candidate released that information to them. And then if um, the candidate, so the candidate has sort of the upper hand in that you can see what I'm all about, you can see what I can do, but you can't contact me and in that way you can't you can't tell your potential clients that you have my resume and available because a lot of, you know, recruiters will do that. Hmm. <laughs> no. Recruiters do that? Oh no. What are all ethical? Are you and, kidding and me? And they'll say, you know, this is this is one of our people, you know, as a way to try to get that uh company as a client. So, so the candidate has total control and yes. their process. Okay. And I think you should, you know, I think that if someone does this idea, or if I patent this idea, then it should have it to where um, hiring managers and people who are who are voting on candidates to come in for an interview um, should have the information they, they, that they review appear to them as totally anonymous. So they're only looking at the skill set. I like that, too. And you know, there's another thing that I wanted to talk about, too, that I was speaking to Chipper Jobber today, mm. Jason Alba. Mm-hmm. And great guy, by the way. Mm. Okay, and there is something that I would like to discuss, and I don't know if we have time today, but I would love to discuss something that I had written up, and it's basically like the candidates' rights during the recruiting process. Okay. And you know, because you're kind of going along that line right now, is that candidates do tend to lose a lot of rights in the process, and I think recruiters sometimes are not respect. Respectable. Um, I wish what I'm looking. They don't respect what the candidates are going through because they see them as numbers. After so many resumes, if, if, if you post a job out there and you're getting 300 resumes, it's easy to forget that these are actual people. Well, you know what? Let's use the paper word, in front of you. You know the word I'm going to use that I can't stand. It always gets me passionate. Metrics. <laughs> oh, I hate that word. Yes, recruiter. Recruiters considered candidates as metrics. Mm. It's about the quantity of placements you make, not the quality, okay? And let's just fill the hole fast. And unfortunately, they forget the H and HR, the human and human resources. Mm. So there is a lot, there is a really, this is a really good topic for us to discuss um, in regards to what the candidate should respect or accept from the recruiters that they deal with. And how they should. I think we'll, um, yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe we'll get into that on, on another episode. 
because I have some information I may want to share in that regard, too, and I don't want to get too sidetracked from the topics we were going to talk about, but okay. let's table that for now, and then we'll get back at that. So That's coming nice. coming yeah. soon in the next episode, yeah, the yeah. Candid Bill of Rights. Candid Bill of Rights. But but I would want to talk to you about um, this policeman. I think you, you shared with me a story about this police chief mm-hmm. up in Ohio who um, all the people there just seemed to love him. He, he came into town. Um, with the gun on his hip, <laughs> sort of almost the way I've read stories and accounts about this guy, he's almost takes, taking on mythical aspirations. But he came to this town and um, as a police chief and cleaned up. I mean, sent the bad guys running and packing, the people loving him. Um, everything you want your police chief to be, this guy was it, you know, making his mark and just everybody was just just loving the guy until one day. It came out that he lied on his resume. <laughs> and because he lied on his resume, this outstanding man, this guy is doing the work. Mm-hmm. He's making it happen. Mm-hmm. The bad guys are on the run. Senior mm-hmm. citizens are like, we love you, we love you, Hosanna, <laughs> that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But because it came out that he lied on his resume, he may lose his job and get kicked out. And the mayor said in this article, I believe you forwarded it to me, mm-hmm. that um, – I don't want this guy to go. Yeah, he's the best thing since sliced bread. Matter of fact, I'm going to try to dig this article up while we're talking about this guy so I can at least give him some proper kudos for stuff he's done. But let me ask you that. Now, say you're in charge of, uh, you're the mayor of that city, and this police chief is performing for well, you, but you found out he lied on the resume. I'm I mean, missing some points, though. I'm I missing mean, some points. What am I missing? You know, I mean, you're talking about the huge, big fine that these guys were also planning to put on him. Um, because, I mean, they basically he broke the law. Ohio has a problem with people lying on their resume. And this, and was, this was in Fostoria, Ohio. The yeah. guy's name is Police Chief John McGuire. Yeah. And, you, and send that to me um, yeah. so we can talk about it really fast because yeah. I don't have it in front of me. Sure. Go okay. ahead. Well, one of the things that, you know, this is interesting because there's a really good conversation that I had on Recruiting.com just recently. In regards to lying on a resume. Oh, I love that site. Recruiting.com uh, rules. Yeah, they rule. They absolutely <laughs> do. And you do really well on there, so don't let you like it. <laughs> so, anyways, um, this guy said, hey, okay, um, I really, you know, love myself. I love everything I've done, and everybody loves me. And so, but the problem is, he lied about where he went to school, he lied about um, actually, the, the education part was very interesting. He said he is he is the wrong college where he obtained a degree and exaggerating his rank while he was working at other departments. That's true. And actually, as I look at the article now, he he's um he plans to plead not guilty at an arraignment next month. Well, he was also been accused of misrepresenting his credentials when applying in 2006 for the police chief. This indictment indicates McGuire that he made false statements also in writing, also because of the resume. So he's got two convictions here. He's got one is one carries a potential prison term of between one to five years and a ten thousand fine, and the other one has a maximum of six months to jail and a thousand dollar fine. And so what we got is that he has he's accused of lying on his resume and his job application. Not just no, not just lying on the job application, but because but also his resume. 
Now, many people don't recognize that in some states, and this is Ohio, I wasn't even sure, was aware that Ohio had this law in their state books, but some states, they, they clearly state straight out, like Washington just is adopting or just recently adopted the law mm-hmm. that stated, if you ever put a bogus school on your resume, you're breaking the law. Mm. Now, I'm not sure if it's a misdemeanor or it's a felony. I heard some people say it's a felony, some people say it's a misdemeanor, but it's up to $10,000. I know that Illinois and a few other states also have this on their books as well. It basically is like you can't, and then now it's based what you, and a recruiter, by the way, also knowing a person lied or helping that person. That's why I don't write resumes. I will never help a candidate with his resume because if there was a misrepresentation on that, I help do it. You can say, so you could, you could, uh, this, if you help somebody to write a resume and what you've helped them to write was untrue, then you are legally responsible? Or? I can be held liable because I'm passing this candidate off based on things that he told me, but I also helped create that document and sent it to the client. Let me, let me clarify that for people who, who, who may have just missed that very important uh, point you said. If you are presenting a candidate uh, to a client and you know what your client wants to see and you perhaps – or a little liberal um, uh, in your enhancing of this resume when you present it to your client. If you put in there an untruth, or if you put in there the truth as you know it, but the candidate lied about it, then you can be held liable legally, even though you were unaware that what your candidate told you was a lie. In fact, I have some details about this, too. Yeah, I mean, you've got a recruiter has a responsibility in what we put in writing and how we present information to clients. We cannot be dishonest. We should never be dishonest, and we must be always accurate. It also holds true, but not shifting, but I'm just going to consider on this track. Mm. You also know, too, like in, for example, California, lying on a, about a job, lying about a description of a job, or lying about what's the benefits, et cetera. Um, misrepresentation, I shouldn't say blind, but misrepresentation of those facts can right. also, is a misdemeanor, too. Hmm. Uh, for recruiters, they do actually have that law in California and some other states as well that you do, we do have a civic responsibility in what we present and state to candidates as well to our clients. A lot of recruiters do not realize the liabilities and responsibilities that we have. Now, I always say, look, laws differ in all these different states. Play safe. Try to, I mean, I don't know the laws in 50 states. I'm not a lawyer. I don't care to know them. I don't know all the details that go into it. And you don't play one on TV. And I don't play one on TV. But what I see is, hey, it's not a good idea based upon what's happening with this guy in Ohio. Right. Okay? He's, you know, he's being convicted for lying on his resume. And from where he said he went to school, he said he went to school in this particular place. Actually, where he went to school was allegedly in Caribbean. Okay, so here we got this guy who's just really kind of fudged himself. I mean, he said, I was actually this in this, I was a department head here or a department head here, not specifically, but he really wasn't. So he was kind of like, you know, he's making a little embossed of it. You know, he's just kind of glowing himself and patting himself on the back. Yeah. It seems innocent. It seems trivial. But there are some jobs that under some companies who will say, hey, man, you know, we hired you with this idea that this is who you were, you're not the way you are, and see ya. You know what's wild to me about this? I'm looking at the article here, and it says that if he is convicted, he could face up to 10 years in prison. Yes, he can. And this is a guy who was doing – I mean, look, I'm looking at some of the comments that uh, that people are saying about him. It says um, – uh, 
what's, what's, what's it, oh, Mayor John Navoli, who I guess is the mayor of, of Fostoria, Ohio, uh, claims uh, senior citizens grab me by the arm and say, you better keep that chief. He's doing a good job. I say, I'm keeping him. I have no desire to get rid of him. He's doing a good job. I'm keeping him. Now, it's, is it up to him? Uh, that may not be. And another question is, I don't know, Mayor, if, if you did this or not, so please don't come after me, but I wonder, did you help bring the guy in board and this is kind of like an egg on your face here? I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. I'm looking here. Another thing he says, the mayor says McGuire has a strong work ethic and that he drove drug dealers from town by increasing police presence in the city, but he admits he might have ruffled some feathers in the, in the police union. I have a question. I, I do have a question, though. And if he oh, they say he filed a civil lawsuit challenging the chief's hiring. So maybe the thing about getting caught on his resume was some backlash because of some internal politics or something. That could be too, and that's I mean that that stuff happens. You can't and that, yeah, and that, it's kind of weird though because even if it is internal politics, everything I read in this article uh, keeps saying how this guy delivered. Well, as again, I mean, he delivered on his job. I have a question to ask then: sure. Could this guy, without lying, gotten the same job? And why not? Without lying? Yeah. Um, Had he not lied on his resume, would he have gotten the job? He probably would have. So my question is, then why would you have lied? Why was the necessity to think you had to? And if he wasn't going to get the job because he had to lie, then maybe there's a system that you have to look at. Then maybe there's something wrong with their system in regards to hiring people. Maybe they. this is a question that's something that I come up with you all the time, and I always say, we put these high-level qualifications that are so unnecessary. We have these high demands and requests. Like, for example, some people request having a college degree for a, for a receptionist. And maybe then we are creating situations that people feel that they have to embellish their resume, that they do have to lie, or we're foregoing really great candidates because we're requiring these high demands that are not necessary. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I mean, let's take a look at this whole picture. This, this guy is so awesome and so great, which he must be or might be because everybody's fighting for him. But then again, he still broke the law. Now, he may not have thought it was going to come out, which is why I say it's always better safe to be, it better be safe than sorry. Risk management. Let's just call it that way, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we don't know what happened and all the dichotomy that happened in his and the dynamics that happened in the office. We this- do know that... It's come out that he's lied. He's done something. These guys are saying you broke the law. You gotta pay. Now see, this is just—it's extreme. My, he, well, you know what? I feel like I'm, I'm, my heart is going out to him. I, I feel for the chief because, like I said, I'm reading an article and drug dealers are scared of him. He yeah. cleaned town. He cleaned I, house. I feel the, I feel his. He's doing too. the job. I feel it. Um, and I mean, he's gonna—he's gonna hung on this. Now, I can't really—I can't even call it a technicality because if, if if he did like it, we're not trying him in this. Court of public opinion because we don't know everything here. Exactly. I'm only skimming a few, a few lines here in this article. But well, you know, all he did was lie on his resume and misrepresent the truth. Okay, so they call him that breaking the law. My question is again. Back but is that the, is that worthy of ten years in prison though? No, I don't think. I think that's way extreme. Number one and number two, I think basically Ohio needs to take a good look at what they were requiring for requirements and um, you know necessities to get that job. For them to, for this guy to think that he had to lie on his resume. I mean, because they were turned away. If this guy had not lied on his resume, would they have turned him away? That's a really good question. Mm. And 
So then, and you know, he did. Maybe obviously he deserved this job. Obviously he was a dang good candidate. And so maybe Ohio needs to take a look at their hiring practices then. <sighs> my my heart goes out to the guy. I, I agree. My I heart agree. goes out to you, Chief, Chief McGuire. Keep doing what you're doing. I hope you get some justice. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, not endor- I'm not endorsing lying on resumes. I mean, I'm not for lying for resumes. I'm not endorsing I mean, I that at all. I think that companies really need to take a look. This is a really good topic, man, because I really I get so angry when I hear some of the requirements that clients have asked or companies would ask of. Or I see some job descriptions and I go, why is a degree necessary for this job? Right. I know people who have been doing this job and doing it well and effectively, and you're requiring a degree, and it's not necessary. And we've talked about this. And by the way, EOC has some issues with this. Okay, it's called disparate impact. I mean, adverse impact, and it's, you know, can cause a disparate is- issue area, you know. So uh, my question is then, I mean, really, companies, isn't it time to take a look at what you're requesting? And maybe then we wouldn't have this quotation quotation marks war for talent. Very good point, and one I want to pose out to all the listeners here on the Recruiters Lounge. If you, uh, you know what, I want to hear your feedback. Now, if you were the mayor of the city, and if it was, or if, maybe not the mayor of, of Astoria. At this point, it's at the Attorney General's office. Okay, well, if you were the Attorney General, would you uh, put Chief John McGuire in jail for 10 years for lying on his resume I don't in, light, gonna, in, I, in light of him cleaning up the town? I don't think he's going to get 10 years. I don't think he's going to serve any time. What they probably will do is end up firing him and just give him a penalty, and he probably just have to pay a thousand bucks. I hope it's something that light, because I really cannot. I mean, I can't there, there is. Coming. I mean, there's a thing about justice and mercy. You got to temper justice with mercy. I, I think mean, just firing him alone is going to be bad enough. I don't think that he should be fired. I don't think he should be let go. But and I think that maybe, but he does have to make some amends and restitution. You know, time. you know what I think I would do. What? You know, I, I had to think about this because I'm, I'm not a legal expert, nor do I play one on TV. But if they fired him for lying on the resume, because I mean, it, it, is, it is a rule. I mean, and it's it a lot. He broke law, it, and it is against the And law. then just just hire him as a quote a consultant to consult whoever is in that place or something. I have a question to ask on this one too. Okay. What um, I mean, you look at this stuff. You talk about being a consultant. Or how about, okay, he gets fired. Will this tarnish his reputation in other areas, too? Ah, it depends. Um, I, I think that would depend on who you ask, and I think he would definitely have to network more than ever. He would have to talk to people who know him or who have worked with him or have seen the results to know that, okay, he may have gotten in uh, maybe not the best under way. Under false pretenses. Under false pretenses, but he did deliver. Now, and and why, I think in that terms, you know, if, if somebody's looking for a, a chief who will deliver the goods, you know, where to have the bad guys literally scared of him and the stuff he's doing, if that's more, what's more important to you? Do you want the bad guys to be scared, or do you want certain c- credentials from certain schools? Credentials. You see, there go with the credentials. I mean, I'm telling you, I really, this, this really bugs me because this guy, I mean, why couldn't he have gotten this otherwise? You know, why did he have to go to that level? And, I mean, I feel sorry for him that he had to choose that. I mean, I'm sure he didn't want to do that. But another thing, too, though, I have another question, though. Mm. If you're working at ABC Company, you're just regular Joe Blow, and you're doing a good job at ABC Company, and you get busted for lying on your resume, and you're not going to get as much publicity as, obviously, this guy's getting. 
Unless you're the CEO of Radio Shack. You know, that well, he him. didn't, yeah, but he didn't get, he just got slapped on the wrist, basically. Yeah. Yeah, you're not facing 10 years in prison for lying. Yeah, exactly. And that probably was some internal politics, too. Yeah, that was all politics, exactly. <laughs> it is always politics that causes this stuff to happen. But if you're regular Joe Blow uh-huh. and this happens to you, the thing about it is, is that, now, like in Washington State, they will go ahead and slap you with a fine, and, you know, they, Anna may be, may be possible prison, okay? Mm. My question then is, I hate to say this because I do like the chief for what we're talking about, okay? But is it okay for him to be able to get a good attaboy from the mayor because he's friends with the mayor? And good old Joe Blow, is it going to? Interesting, interesting, interesting. And I want to get feedback from the listeners. If you would, drop me an email at jimstroud, that's J-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D, at jimstroud.com. And give me feedback. Uh, How do you feel about this issue? Uh, Someone lies on their resume, sure, they should be punished. But if they are delivering for your company or for your city, as in the case of Police Chief John McGuire up in Fostory, Ohio, um, would you cut on some slack? Uh, let me know. Drop me an email. Again, Jim Stroud, G-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D, at jimstroud.com. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Recruiter's Lounge. Karen, any last parting words of wisdom? No. I mean, I'm just I'm, I'm thinking about this right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going, to get, we're going to get Karen a nice glass of wine to calm down. And we will see you all next time in the Recruiter's Lounge. Well, that's it for this show. You've been a wonderful audience. If you like what you heard, love what you heard, or <laughs> just plain hate what you just heard, uh, let me know. Your feedback matters. You can reach me through my website at jimstroud.com slash podcast. That's J-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D dot com slash podcast. So until next time, I'm Jim Stroud, and you're not. Radio, radio, radio Innovative audio on demand. And so this ends this edition of the Retro Lounge, home of classic episodes of the Recruiter's Lounge podcast. If you haven't already, uh, subscribe now so you don't miss a future episode. Okay, cool. Until next time, bye-bye. That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware, when your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise, and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe.